My name is Sidra, and I am joined here by two amazing co-hosts. I have Iman here with me. Iman, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I'm also uh, joined with Sarah as well. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's been a long time. I've missed everybody. I know. I feel like Sarah and I haven't been on in a while, so I'm glad we're both on. We're both on together. Uh, That'll be fun. Uh, so I know we all have a lot to talk about. Of course, the NBA isn't back, but there's all these rumors going around about the NBA coming back and how everybody feels about this and in the state of the world that we're in right now, how the players are feeling, how the owners are feeling, and we as the fans are feeling. So let me ask you, ladies, how are you feeling about what's happening and what are your opinions about it? Well, I, this is Sarah. I have mixed feelings. Um, Yep. I cert like just how we're hearing the players, there's different positions all across like the different groups of players. Um, and yeah, I feel very mixed. I think we see, you know, we still have COVID-19 and we see Florida is a total mess. Um, and that seems pretty dangerous to me. (laughs) Sorry. We see record high cases of COVID almost every day in Florida and that's disturbing. And the safety plan for the um, for the bubble and in Orlando that the NBA is talking about is really not very fleshed out yet. So I worry about that for the players because we don't really know, you know, what could happen to them and the long term effects. And then obviously, the really big thing is like the overwhelmingly traumatic kind of social situation we're in right now with unrest, racial unrest due to like extreme police violence and just the long history of anti-black racism and, you know, in a mostly black player league, how traumatizing and upsetting and overwhelming and completely distracting that must be. Like, I don't know how I personally, if I was one of them, how I would be able to parse my feelings and like even think about returning to play. Like even me, like I've been having trouble working. Um, I'm so overwhelmed by all the stories and emotions and I'm not a black person And so I just can't even imagine what these guys are going through, trying to figure out what they want or need from their, their lives. And and then in the meantime, there's this like now rush to make a decision. So, um, you know, it's a lot, right. And, um, so personally, I would love to watch the NBA. Of course. I mean, I miss it so much, but holy crow, like I could not blame any of those guys if they want to sit out or don't want to play. Um, so I guess that's kind of wishy-washy, but wow, I have a lot of reservations. Yeah, no, I'm not optimistic about it happening, in all honesty. Like, will it happen? It kind of feels like the NBA put the cart before the horse with this. Like, it feels like yep. they voted and they were like, yeah, now it's like, okay, well, how do we figure this out? <laughs> and I don't know that, like, that's how shit should be done when it's people's lies that are on the line here. Um 
it kind of feels like a last minute project too. It feels like people putting shit together at the end. I said that I like feel like I've put more effort into like a sixth grade diagram that I've created, <laughs> a diorama that I've created than the NBA is putting into this. And it's like a multi-billion dollar corporation. Like, what do you mean you're having a bubble this entire time? And then you're like, well, hold on. Disney employees can come in and out. And it's like in Florida, you want them to come in and out and you think your bubble is working? <laughs> I can't even imagine. I know. I, and and then on to, you, you, you hit on something you kind of touched on it is that the process has been messed up. And I would say it doesn't actually feel all that rushed to me. They've been talking about game formats and playing formats and tournaments and what they're going to do for how long. That's been the public conversation. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we're voting and oh, yeah, safety, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's yeah, internally... but that's like picking like the colors that you want to use when you haven't even started your drawing. Like you're putting the final touches <laughs> on something that hasn't even been created yet. Um, so, so I don't know. It really kind of feels very makeshift, which is not what you would expect from the NBA at this point, especially considering that like these are players' lives. Like yep. even if they're young, like this idea that they're they're young and they're fit. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't have pre-existing conditions. Like, Brian Windhorst was just talking about James Harden having asthma. Like, right. these people also, um, there are coaches that are older. There are assistant coaches. There are so many people that you're forcing to be put into this area, and you don't have any of their health concerns <laughs> at the forefront of this. Of course, if they did, the NBA wouldn't be returning, which, of course. But yeah. But let's say that, like, okay, money is number one. It doesn't seem like health is number two. No. Or health is a distant number two. <laughs> I think you're completely right. I think it was either a Sirius article that I read this morning or a Zach Lowe's article where they were saying if health is the number one priority, as the NBA is claiming, the NBA is not coming back. But obviously with these conversations that they're having, you just know that they're just putting up this front and putting up a facade about how they actually care about players' health. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the case. At the end of the day, they care about monetary gain and the owners care about making money, even though they live in ivory towers and they still want to make more. At what point is enough money for these owners to not put these, these players in a situation that they might have a season-ending injury or they might have a career-ending injury? We do not know the mm -hmm. effect of COVID-19 and yep. the fact that like we're even having conversation oh they're even having conversations about well I mean can we do it safer like can we make a bubble that's not actually a bubble and letting and like Disney employees come in and out like yeah. do they know what the definition of a bubble is like have, yeah. have, do they understand the concept because if it has a million holes in it it's not a bubble no, <laughs> it's, it's not it's exploded. The bubble exactly. is not a bubble. Exactly. Here's the thing, NBA owners, if you want this to happen so badly, why don't you go into the bubble too? That's Absolutely. like put 100%. Take your time, go with your team and be there for the duration. Separate from your family for the allotted time that you're supposed to, which I think is seven weeks before family members can join in, which is, I mean, it, uh, all of this doesn't make any sense. Like, Absolutely. you're stripping them from their family because of this bubble concept. Okay, cool. Like, I understand that. But if it's not a bubble and you're allowing people in and out, then what's the point in taking that other precaution? Like, what is the point in doing any of that? And also, COVID is not the only thing. Like, not only do we not understand this 
thing as as just a collective. Nobody really knows what the lingering effects are going to be. No one knows what the long-term effects are going to be. These are players that rely on their health um, to, to do what they do. So yeah. yes, like if, if someone gets infected and maybe it doesn't kill them because everyone's talking about the mortality rate, we don't know what those long-term effects are going to be. Absolutely. Yes. What about physical injuries? Like, what are you doing saying you've taken this entire time off where you haven't been able to yep. train properly? You haven't been able to do this five on five, um, you know, practices. And now you're being thrown into a play for your season type of like, I mean, these teams that are not making the playoffs are going to have to fight and are going to have to play basically like this is this is eight games that are going to be a matter of maker to break it for some of these teams so they're going to be playing like it's a playoffs right from the get-go and mm-hmm. then you're throwing everybody else into a playoff scenario where if they're putting their lives in danger i'm sure they're playing their hearts out so what does that mean for their health and then you're looking at next season which is going to start in december so you're telling me they go from having this five-month break to now playing basketball for nearly an entire year with only a month off if they make it to the finals like how does that makes sense mm-hmm. it's just entitled it's completely entitled it's a completely selfish the owners are really showing what employers act like you know what i mean like yeah. employee like employee health is like at the back burner and i think a lot of people can relate to this in their own um employment environments but like we're seeing it in the nba clearly that a lot yeah, of we really, really are like this concept to me of, okay, you've taken this long break where you haven't been able to really train at all. Now you're going to be thrown into this playoff environment. You're going to be playing until October if you're one of the teams that you know goes that far. You're going to be playing until mid October so that you can start the season back up in December, which means training camp is probably going to start in November. Like you get a month break and then you're going to play the entire season. And if you made the finals, you're probably a team that's going to make the finals next year or is going to go deep into the playoffs so now you're playing that entire time leading into july which is when the olympics will start like how does any of this make sense to the nba in terms of player safety and health outside of covid this does not make sense for their personal physical health and yet a lot of them do want to play right so yeah i I obviously have a lot of reservations but i think we all talked about this before was how you know it really is their decision and something that and it, all of them have different views and there seems to be like different camps. But one thing that's been really interesting to me and about this whole Kyrie Irving speaking up a week after the vote and he's getting all this heat. I mean, he, what happened was he's been talking to a lot of players. And what he discovered is once he started talking to a lot of the younger players, the players that are less prominent, he started realizing, oh, there's a lot of other opinions here and we haven't necessarily heard them. And he's getting all this heat for frankly expressing that because I'm seeing this coverage like Chris Haynes's coverage talking about how a lot of young players feel they're not being listened to right and they their voices aren't being heard and or they feel uncomfortable speaking up because think about all the big names that are out there saying they want to go and play and you know you don't want to be the guy you're like a young guy on a team or you're a bench player and then you know you whatever LeBron and all the other stars want to play do you want to be the guy that puts your hands up and says something like that you're questioning things and then maybe get labeled as difficult or whatever else. Um, And, you know, this leads into, you know, it's really strange that there wasn't an all player vote on what happened, right? They've had all these initial conversations with ownership 
and with representatives of the players that are mostly like prominent big names. And now we're hearing all this noise because I think once guys really heard about it and got a chance to reflect and take a breath with everything that's going on, we see them saying, oh my gosh, I'm I'm really not sure. And so I, I want to give Kyrie Irving a lot of kudos for, you know, taking the heat for that. Yeah, I mean, he has a personal view for sure, but he is speaking up on behalf of a lot of other guys. And there's been really good reporting subsequently, people like Mo Bamba acknowledging that the young players are intimidated and have different views. So, and participation matters. And so for me, that's really important. Like we all have views, but they're the ones that have to decide. So, um, and it, it's not going to be easy or messy and, and maybe they'll return to play. And we're hearing all this conversation that people are going to be allowed to sit out. I mean, obviously that's going to be a lot of pressure on them, right? Imagine if a lot of guys in your team decide to sit out and they're a contender, like that wouldn't be a very easy decision to make. Right. Um, but anyway, so I don't know what anyone thinks about all that, but I think it's, I don't know. I'm just having a hard time. I totally agree with you. And I'm, uh, I feel like if you've read my tweets or anything that I've retweeted, you know, I'm on Kyrie's side because he really is being so brave right now and standing up for not only physical health of the NBA athletes, but like the mental health of, of them as well, because we know that there is a huge Black Lives Matter movement happening because once again, the black community has been victim to police brutality. And, and he, he thinks that there's going to be using, using a predominantly black league and using that as a distraction from what's happening is like, we, we don't want to stop talking about police brutality. We don't want to stop talking about black lives matter. We want to keep talking about it. But I think he mentioned that, are we going to start talking about stats instead? Like, what are we going to talk about that in the next morning? What's going to be in the news? Is it going to be the NBA or is it going to be about the protests that are taking place and the laws that are being changed and the mayors that are being pushed to change certain laws? I just, I just, I'm just on his side and I, I completely understand where he, what he's saying and he's, he's so brave for, for saying what he has said and like taking that stance. Yeah. yeah like I, I want to just take a step back and say like my, my annoyance with what's going on right now is not on the players who want to play. I can yeah. I completely understand the players who want to play. I'm yeah. upset with the NBA for putting forth this proposal without first figuring their shit out, without first creating this basis that prioritize players' health. Like, that's where I'm upset with. Players who want to play, like LeBron James is in his mid-30s. He has a legit contender and can actually win a championship him wanting to play I don't fault him for that at all I completely understand that and to like for the people who are knocking LeBron James for wanting to play as if he's like I've seen terms sellouts and things like that being called like I find issue with that although I am on Kyrie's side and I support him and I champion him I champion LeBron James as well like think about the amount of work he's done like the audacity to call someone who's done as much as LeBron James has done who started school who's now working on voter suppression who's taken a public stance time and time again for black people in america and around the world like that like to call that a sellout to me is just like absolutely insane because he wants to play basketball because he wants a chance to win a championship when have we ever put the onus on tom brady to take a stance for shit 
Absolutely. Have we ever put the onus? We're, we're not calling on Dirk Nowitzki. We're not calling on Luka Doncic. We're not calling on any of these white players to do anything. Yet we're turning on black people who are the victims in this situation, right? Like we're calling exactly. out oppression. And now we're saying that these voices, these men who made it to the top now have to sacrifice. Why there? Like, I don't understand that The players who want to play, I completely understand that. And then for Kyrie and his side and his stance, I completely understand that as well. And I think we as fans and, as you know, media members and anyone else who's commenting on this needs to shut up and listen to what these players want to do and support them in that. Like, shut up and dribble aside. It's time for us to shut up and listen. Absolutely. Because LeBron is right in wanting to play and Kyrie is right for bringing up concerns. And Woj's piece was a hit piece. Like if you actually read what Woj wrote versus mm-hmm. what Sam wrote, you would think they were talking about two completely different scenarios. Absolutely. I have something to say about Woj though. Like, it, like I believe in defunding the police and I also believe in defunding Woj. I'm like sick of <laughs> the way the way he stayed quiet about the murders that took place, the police brutality that took place, the silence of Woj to not be saying anything and profiting off of Black League, but as soon as he finds something annoying about Kyrie, he can, or something that he thinks is annoying, he's allowed to start speaking. Like, who are you to write about Kyrie when he's actually, uh, like, standing up for something? You're a coward. You haven't, like, stood up for anything. You have, you just... Use black players for your advantage. You haven't done anything. 100%. If this is going to get me blacklisted yeah. from the NBA forever, whatever. I'm all about defunding. <laughs> I don't care uh, here's the thing. You can be anymore. blocked by Woj because you can just use the Dish Dimes pod account <laughs> and check his tweets from there. Anyways, you're good. <laughs> I saw the funniest take on Woj this week, though. It was like, what, what value does he bring? Like, he announces something two minutes before it becomes public. So <laughs> yeah. We don't really need him anyway. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Paid of what? Like millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars to what? To berate black athletes, to profit off of them? Get out of here. It was it, like the language she used. Like he made it, it seem like, like Kyrie was just being a contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian. 100%. No, he's talking about his life. Like he, Kyrie literally said he's willing to risk it all. This is a man who's made tons of money. This is a man who is a superstar in the league. Forget what I think about Kyrie's game. He is still a superstar in the NBA. He's one of the most fun players to watch play. He's got a huge platform and he's willing to risk it all. And you're telling me that he's being a contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian. He's just posing questions to pose questions. And this idea that he flip-flopped, the NBA put out, they, they voted on this on the third, like the, the teams. And it was a 29 to 1 vote with every team except for Portland because Portland wanted, you know, a little bit of a nudge to get them into the playoffs. They wanted a little bit more help, it seemed like. And then the players voted on it the next day. He didn't yeah. have time to process what was going on. And it was Absolutely. a 28 to 0 vote. So, like, he didn't want to be the standout. Maybe the other people were making great points at the time. Maybe he took some time and talked to other people, like Sarah was saying, and decided that he didn't agree with this anymore or that, that there was bigger issues. So, I don't know. People I are allowed to change their minds. <laughs> yeah, people are allowed to change their minds. And I don't know if you guys saw what Austin Rivers kind of put out, but he was speaking to to uh, Kyrie Irving and 
Um, <laughs> I just sort of looked at that tweet. I'm probably that one to myself. We'll, we'll talk about it at a later date, maybe if you guys. Somebody, remember. I like read his thing, and then somebody commented, "Like this is what happens when you go to like Duke for too long or something." <laughs> <laughs> but, like, well. I, yeah, I mean, sure. And also, I think Austin Rivers that has a different experience. Austin Rivers yeah. is a biracial kid. He's the son of an NBA player. He is going to have a different experience than the vast majority of the NBA players in this league. He grew up in a very, like, privileged... Exactly. Yeah. Um, when I think about the bubble and all the stuff, like, the thing I find the funniest is, how are these guys going to go out without sex for seven weeks? I mean, that's <laughs> in theory. I mean, I'm what we're talking about. That, hearing Brian Winters hint at that on the pod where he was like, he just, like, didn't want to say it, but he was like, seven weeks? Seven weeks without wives or girlfriends, guys. Seven weeks. And it was so funny. <laughs> well, you know, the fav- my favorite word expression for that, that like Rachel Nichols and others have used, what about the special friends? What about the special <laughs> special friends? Like LeBron when he's in Toronto. all i can say is like you porn and poor porn hub and the and the you know the in hotel porn channel i guess (laughs) they're just gonna have to drop off a lot of avino and and that'll be it We're totally going, like, way. They'll find a way, I'm sure. They'll find their ways. <laughs> the NBA is not keeping that title of a bubble life. Um, I mean, there's there's yeah, so much to this. Like, none of I think a point that we haven't mentioned that we should is we're often talking a lot about these superstars. And I know Sarah talked about, you know, younger players and um, people who are role players just not feeling as confident in voicing their opinions and voicing their discontent with this. Um, but they're also the same ones who need the NBA to return more so than a LeBron James or a, a James Harden who have, you know, Adidas and Nike deals who make money through other ways. These are guys who rely on their income. And right now, them not returning deprives them of that. And it could yeah. really have serious ramifications moving forward with the CBA. And so for me, it's like I understand their want to return. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of money on the table a lot a lot of money I just wish the NBA put more thought into this and I think next season should be a truncated season there should not be 82 games first of all there should be absolutely not one year but like this is the perfect time to be like let's drop that down because you are risking serious injury I have a question for both of you guys actually what do you think let's say this moves forward and the NBA does open up what do you think needs to happen before they put this experiment to a halt? Do you think anything can put it to a halt? And if so, what? Honestly, uh-huh. I think they've shown worst case scenario is what they're willing to do already. Like they're willing to start up the NBA in Florida when there's such a high case, like record number every single day, as Sarah mentioned. I think what they're willing to do is the player getting sick and having a career ending injury. And I, that might be like, that might be like, oh, like, that's ridiculous. That's not what they're, that's not what they're going to do. Like the NBA won't do that. But I feel like they've already risked that and they're willing to take that risk. Like they're okay with somebody getting sick. Do you think nothing? Or do you think that like a team getting sick or a coach getting sick? Like, is there, is there something where you think the NBA will be like, hold up? I, I think Sid was quite right. If, if one or two players, especially on a team or several teams, gets COVID-19 they're going to be fine with it and yeah a few players get injured 
they're going to be fine with it because that happens in a normal season and the COVID thing they're expecting. I think where it gets more interesting and um, is what if a lot of players Mm -hmm. on a contender get, get sick and then a bunch of players on another contender get sick Uh, and they're not role players and they're not like the end of the roster, right? That's where it gets really interesting, right? What are they going to do? Like how, that is the, about legitimacy of the season. That's about safety. Like those are really big issues. Yeah. I think legitimacy of the season is a really big one because I've been yeah. seeing people talk about, well, you know what? Injuries happen every year. You know, Kevin Durant got hurt last year and it's like, okay, but getting hurt and catching COVID is different because mm-hmm. Kevin Durant didn't spread his ACL tear to multiple people or Achilles tear to multiple people. He got hurt. If someone catches COVID there is the chance that it spreads beyond the one person who caught it, which is why this is a completely different thing and cannot be comp- is not comparable. Yeah, and so many physical injuries aren't career-ending. And with corona, like COVID-19, we do not know if it's career-ending. Yeah, 100%. Because their livelihoods, like, this is their future. Like, screw 365 days. Who cares about one year? Like, we can just scratch a season. It's just, It's just not worth it. Like, in my opinion, of course. And I think the NBA is willing to, like, have an entire team sick or have a person get really sick like I I just don't think the owners care and I just don't know if the league cares enough because money is more important to them and as a team who or as an organization who prides themselves in in being one of the most progressive sports leagues that we have it's very disappointing as a fan who to see them take this stance and to see them try to like scramble to find find ways so they can still make money yeah, it's super interesting though, and I was a bit surprised by this. But Dr. Anthony Fauci um, is the head of you know the pandemic response essentially in the U.S. He came out today in an interview saying he gives the NBA's plan a stamp of approval. Um, he said he finds it quite creative and potentially a mold for other sports to follow. It was quite a long interview um, on Stadium. Anyway, I was kind of surprised and interested to see that and he said he obviously said like there needs to be a good plan but he was impressed with the NBA's plan and their stipulations so I don't know that kind of threw me for a loop so what plan did they show him like did they show him the bubble plan or did they show him the bubble plus the Disney employees are allowed to leave I have actually looked at the plan and it's really quite creative what they're trying to do and I think they might very well be successful with it. Anyway. I hope they are. Like, I genuinely hope that the NBA is successful Absolutely. with it. Uh, next question I actually have for you guys. The NBA has not been as liberal, has not been as, you know, open to forms of protest like they would like us to all think. So now that this returns, do you think NBA's, NBA players kneel? Do you think there's something else they do? I imagine that they'll do something. I, I see them all at least in the first games. Like, I don't know a message t-shirt, maybe something being said, like intentionally said, um, like over the air. I don't know. I don't know what it would be, but I just don't see a world in which they don't do something, that the players don't organize something for all the games. I agree. Like there's never been a situation where something has happened and there's so many outspoken NBA players and they always say something. So I, I know they're going to do something, and of, of course I'm going to support them, whatever they do. I just I just can't think of what what's going to be done. Like, how can you protest on an NBA 
team like right before a game, right before a playoff? Like, where is your head during right before a playoff game? You know what I mean? Like, what are they thinking? How do they get into playoff mode? And for them, thinking about something else is is that something that they're going to do, or is that something they have the ability to do? Like, it depends on how they prepare for me, and I, I'm not really sure. I really can't think of anything that they could do. There's happy. There's literally no way that we can make this transition um, make sense. It's going to be an awkward one. Um, it's difficult to transition from such uh, an important topic. And I think it's one that we're going to continue here just in that. There's a reason why we decided to bring a diverse group of women together to talk about these difficult things. We all have different perspectives and we're going to continue to have conversations like this. But we're also Raptor fans that came together. And we also want to talk about something that happened last year that was cel- we celebrated <laughs> a one year Cele- uh, one year anniversary of the Toronto Raptors winning a championship and as a diehard Toronto Raptors fan I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up and I'm smiling <laughs> I just went from frowning and being angry Woo-hoo! smiling because the Toronto Raptors did something that I never thought was possible like I thought I'd be like 90 by the time they did this and they won a championship one year ago one year anniversary just a couple of days ago how did you guys honor this beautiful beautiful day june the 13th well i honored it specific well last year at this time what i was doing is well when the raptors won i was facetiming all of my friends because i was in michigan (laughs) like doing an internship just facetiming people while everybody was on the streets of toronto and just like crying at like jealousy but also like oh my god this actually happened like but also like why the hell am I sitting here right now? Why am I <laughs> celebrating with the rest of Toronto and the GPA? But to celebrate what I did was all my uh, videos that everybody put on my timeline of how they celebrated, mm-hmm. like like people, what they were wearing. Shout out to Sana who like did her Mandy for her sister's wedding, all raptors. Like <laughs> the way people celebrated that insane video of like people on top of buses, just like reliving that incredible moment yeah it's like it's surreal it's surreal to even watch though like I sometimes I like I can't even watch like the the game six or watch watch all of those videos because I'm like oh my god I don't want to feel like that much happiness I don't know if I can feel it in this moment it's too much for me to handle right now but I just I just kept going through people's timelines and seeing how much fun they had that day and for anybody listening that put out a video, like, thank you. That, like, made my day watching how happy you guys were. It was awesome. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? I did that, too. I watched a lot of people's videos. I I never shared my own. I was sort of back home with my new rescue dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she didn't do well when I left her, and it was a work night, and it was late. So I watched at home on my own, but I live in a building complex. And as soon as the final buzzer sounded in Oracle, oh. my whole complex of three buildings, it was so loud and there was so much cheering and it was amazing. And I went out on my balcony and I took video of just like this natural, organic, like screaming and shouting and celebration. And it was just so fun. So I kind of watched and posted those video, that video on someone's thread. And then, if, you know, a few minutes later, the party, I live right at Bloor Street, at Bloor and like Dovercourt, and the party went to the street. So there was like the honking car parade mm-hmm. and fireworks, fireworks. 
mm-hmm. and screaming and it was crazy. And so I took video of that. So I had so much fun just watching that and remembering that um, and just laughing and posting that for people. And an American friend made fun of me and said, why are you like trolling all of us? I'm like, eh, I'm going to troll you. I'm going to live probably the rest of my life trolling people on 2019 championship. <laughs> and by the way, we're still the champs. So. We're still the champ. Two years in a row, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, it was so much fun to relive everyone's videos, and I didn't post mine, which uh, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll still do that. It was so much fun. It's so much fun to just relive that moment. Like the Raptors really did it. They really did it. And I remember when that buzzer sounded because it ended in such a strange way. With like, it took me a minute to process what was happening. I was just like, "Wait, what? Like, it's over? They didn't did happen? Mean? Like, they did this?" Um, so so much fun. Uh, I don't. Do you guys have like a favorite moment or a favorite memory from the championship run? We're not going to discuss the parade. We're just going to pretend yeah, that that never happened. We're going to ignore that the parade happened. Yeah. <laughs> the night of was was our parade. I, I don't know. I think for me, honestly, it was just, I was so overwhelmed because it was, this, the narrative arc of this championship was crazy on 6,000 levels. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes the parade, like, but, you know, starting from, like, if you want to start back to the beginning of Raptors history and how, you know, how that went and how amazing this was and then start from the beginning of the Lowry slash Ujiri years and all the heartbreak and ups and downs and drama and then ending like this after that crazy trade for DeMar for Kawhi and firing Dwayne Casey the coach of the year um and then just like Kawhi and his situation and coming and you know starting the season with that awkward Mm -hmm. laugh and then Ending the parade with the awkward acknowledged. Perfect poetry on like success. And like I think we're all pretty big super fans. So like it was a ride, man. And it just yeah. I mean part of the emotion was like, man, that was a fucking ride. Yeah. So I think yeah. for me Okay, so I have two. One was um at the parade. I know I'm not gonna talk about it, but at the parade <laughs> when Doug Ford got booed, it was like <laughs> joy to my heart. I was like, yes, and I was just boo him right now. <laughs> so that was awesome, knowing that like all of the GTA was just booing him. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite moments is uh, I think it was the Rachel Nichols interview where yeah. Yeah. talking to Kyle, and all of a sudden we hear Kawhi come in, and he's like, "Big Y," <laughs> or something yeah. like that. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is the best." He's yeah. And- um, I think mine. I guess it wasn't part of the championship, but it was part of the playoffs. Um, as a as a kid who had watched Vince Carter miss that shot and yes. just the poetry. You're talking about poetry with the ha 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 laugh, yeah. like the poetry in facing the Philadelphia 76ers game seven scenario, a shot on essentially the same end of the court. Of course, that game happened in Philadelphia. This one happened in Toronto. The winner going on to face the Milwaukee Bucks. The winner from that series going on to face this California dynasty, China three, like the the symmetry in all of that was absolutely poetic. It just doesn't even compute in my brain. Um, So that moment, and then of course, the Milwaukee Bucks series because uh, y'all know I love to slander Bucks fans, but also um, there's just, there was something so sweet in Kyle Lowry just being so incredibly dominant in that series. We often talk Mm -hmm. about his game six, but we lose sight of just how 
good he was in that mm-hmm. Buck series. And I just as a diehard Kyle Lowry fan, especially coming off of that Sixer series where it was just Kawhi Leonard. You just got to watch a superstar. And yeah. the Rockers were great defensively, but just not there offensively. Mm-hmm. To watch Kyle Lowry in that Buck series, to watch Fred Van Lee come on and really just turn his entire, the trajectory of his career <laughs> around. Incredible. Um, massive, massive, massive. So that's what I have to say about the Toronto Raptors championship run. You guys spoke on that. I think we can go on to the next part of this, which is our weekly dime. We haven't done one in a little bit, who is a complete 10 out of 10 on our ranking. They score a perfect 10, so they are our dime. I know that Kyrie is mine. Do you guys have one? Okay, Sarah's giving me a thumbs up. No, I have Kyrie. It's Kyrie, 100%. I also have, um, shout out to Dwight Howard. Oh, yes. After everything he's been through with the loss of his um, child's mother Mm -hmm. and then speaking out about something that is so important and people are Mm -hmm. so many people look up to him and I want to hear his voice and for him to speak up like very powerful Mm -hmm. props to him. I'm always going to be on your side. This is forever a Superman fan account. Oh, 100%. And and to that, shout out to Carl to Anthony Towns. Like, I think, you know what, if we're going to just throw in more people in here, I definitely think that he's one who should be. He obviously having lost his mother um, due to COVID and him being on the streets next to Steven Jackson because of what happened in the state that he plays in. Um, just, just, I mean... I can't imagine the couple last couple of months that he's had mm-hmm. and for him to be on the streets protesting is so major. So just shout outs to him. And if I can give just one last one here, Patrick <laughs> Beverly, who tweeted, Hoopers, say what y'all want. If at King James says we're hooping, or we all hooping, not personal, <laughs> only business. Pray your hands, pray your hands, pray your hands, stay woke, fist, 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 which is a complete troll on LeBron James. He's basically saying if LeBron wants us to hoop, we're hooping. Doesn't matter what the rest of us <laughs> wanna want or do, which is really funny. Um, and just as a troll of the NBA, I thought that was a good tweet. All right, everyone. So right now we're going to move on or transition on to our dime bag. So we asked this morning a bunch of questions. Um, and our amazing Twitter uh, followers responded with some great questions. So I'm going to ask um, some questions today. The <laughs> first question we have is from Nasima Ali, uh, which says, Pedro Pascal Siakam, hashtag no justice, no peace, right on. Uh, so the question <laughs> is, is it massively problematic that Kyrie is getting roundly criticized for providing an outlet for players to vent their concerns and frustrations regarding playing in a COVID rabid state with no concrete plan to protect their health during a massive racial uprising. Great question. Well, I think we everyone knows how we all think here. I think we all agree that it's it is very massively problematic. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like to answer that in short, yes. To answer that in long, yes, it is massively problematic that Kyrie is getting roundly criticized for providing an outlet for players to vent their concerns and frustrations without <laughs> playing in a COVID-ravaged state with no concrete plan to protect their health during a massive racial uprising. Yes. Um, Shout out to no. that follower for like the most intense question ever. <laughs> All right. Next question is from at It's My Game, uh, also known as Anna who says, with a tough eight-game schedule coming up, are you concerned about the Raptors potentially falling to the third seed? How do you think the team fares if they do slip in the standings? 
No, I'm not worried just because um, it's going to be tough for everybody. And to make up the amount of games that the Celtics are going to have to make up, I think is just too much. Um, So I I don't, I'm not worried because if the Raptors do fare poorly, then they're going to fare poorly against the Celtics anyway. And they're going to face the same team, right? So it doesn't matter if they're the two seed or the three seed. They're facing the Celtics in the second round regardless. Absolutely. And home court advantage isn't a thing. It's gone, yeah. (laughs) So what does it really matter? Yeah, so I'd add, I'm not particularly worried it's going to happen. Um, I agree. And I also agree with him on that if it does happen, well, it's because they've had a tough schedule, but those are the teams they have to play in the playoffs for the most part. So if they can't do well enough to keep their third seed, or sorry, their second seed in the East, I mean, what are you going to do? But I would be worried on, on the off chance it happens and the schedule ends up being bad, and some of the initial schedule um, guesses I've seen from people doesn't look really great. It looks quite tough. Um, you know, I wouldn't love it because I would rather them play Brooklyn or Orlando than, you know, Philly or whatever else they might end up playing if they were third seed. But but I'm still not super worried that it's going to happen. Yeah. All right. So next question we have is from at Nikaias NBA, who thinks he's the number one fan of Dishes and Dimes. Is that what he said? Or like he said he was a friend. He was going to introduce himself as friend to the program. Oh, and right. I'm like, That's a, a little presumptive. Like I don't know. Like okay, there's all of us that have to vote on it first. I'm joking. <laughs> so Nikaias asked, "What's the ceiling for Terrence Davis?" Well, friend of the program, Nikaias. I uh, said it was Michael Jordan. Um, and people <laughs> being like, uh, no, you can not put a ceiling on Terrence Davis. But, you know, in all actuality, uh, I was talking about this and someone mentioned Baron Davis, which I think is a um, is a really good one. Terrence Davis, to me, like, uh, just I was reading just up about him recently, like a couple of days ago and his story. And I just want to give you guys just kind of like a brief little insight. I know we're running long already, but. So he obviously went undrafted, but he was so just under the radar that when he was invited to that elite G League camp, he was not given a jersey with his name on it. Like, that's how much of a last minute invite he was. And he surprised people there, but he still was not in Brooklyn during the draft. Like, he was not there. Uh, He was actually watching it from from, uh, his state, I believe, with his family there, and he didn't get drafted. And that night, he ended up retweeting a video of Fred Van Vliet. Because Fred Van Vliet, of course, didn't uh, went undrafted, so he didn't get called on his draft night. And he re- retweeted that video as just a source of inspiration. And then fast forward a couple of months, he's playing alongside Fred Van Vliet, which I just think is so special. <laughs> um, and he also talked about having grown up in Mississippi, the Memphis Grizzlies being a team that he watched. And when he was a kid, they, of course, had Kyle Lowry and Marc Gasol. So now this full circle yeah. kind of poetic um, <laughs> moment where he's playing with both Kyle Lowry and Marc soul in Toronto I thought was really special but just in terms of Terrence Davis's ceiling to to really answer that question and yes he makes mistakes as a rookie he's going to have those losses in judgment but the Raptors are a very switch heavy team and he makes the right read that as a rookie and he's an elite three-point shooter I mean this guy is an elite catch and shoot uh, three-point shooter he's elite off the dribble which is like oh my god like I was not expecting that he works well off screens he moves so well off ball he's a great cutter already so in all honesty I I have no idea how he was overlooked it seems like he does everything pretty well already as a rookie he's got great size he's incredibly athletic Uh, so I think like a player comp like a Baron Davis is is a good one 
I totally agree with you, actually. And um, one of our followers actually said something similar as well. Um, at ZX600, basically responded to Nikaya saying, well, he's Westbrook, Westbrook with a three-pointer. Like, <laughs> no, but he's not because he, like, makes proper reads defensively. <laughs> no, he, like, like, I'm not saying he's, like, an elite defender by any means. He's a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so at Kylie Jardine, sorry if I butchered your last name, um, asked, does Rip Lowry mean he has lost his booty? Well, I, I hope not. Question to begin because we all know <laughs> the number one Kyle Lowry fan. Yeah, but like I'm not a Kyle Lowry booty stand. I feel like that's like a question for Sidra. <laughs> no talk because I am a hundred <laughs> Kyle Lowry booty fan. He's got bigger and like more muscular, and he's probably doing a lot of squats with weights, and it probably looks absolutely terrific and <laughs> even better than before. Even though it probably wasn't possible, but hey. Yeah, man. I mean, we saw Joel and B couldn't post him up uh last year in in the playoffs i feel like no one can move him now like he's just going to be he's built like a fire hydrant quite literally <laughs> all right so this is a fun uh really fun question we actually mentioned a little bit of this um so at underscore jasper wong asked which players are most likely to be against entering the bubble because they require female companionship <laughs> Uh, I'm going to leave that to you, too. I think I'm going to plead, like, take the right to make, remain silent on this one. Okay. I'm definitely up for this. Let me just think about this question. <laughs> I was going to say, like, can I pull up the entire roster of players who are going to be there? Because I think every single name is going to come up. But for some reason, I want to say Serge Ibaka, even though I don't know if he's, like, you know. <laughs> Serge Ibaka's too pretty to not, to, to be able to go this long. I'm sure it's never happened. Yeah, I feel like he just makes, like, he has, like, people on speed dial, and he's like, oh, okay, I'm you. Like, do you remember my cheekbones? Okay, come over. Like, <laughs> do you remember my cheekbones? Him? Yeah, I feel like James Harden. Like, I just feel like that's one that we can go out there. Like, uh, not to say anything about Dwight Howard, but he just has a lot of different kids. I'm just putting that out there. Hey, I lied. I, I'm going to say there's two. Obviously, Lou Williams, because he always have like seems to have multiple. Um, and then my other one is going to be Paul George. I don't see him. I guess two Clippers. Oh, so the Clippers are going to be a little busy is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to be the first one to get caught. <laughs> Making the bubble for a lady. All right, so let's do one last question. This is a great question. Um, so this comes from at Sports 6. What Disney snacks will Kyle treat the team to for a win or a loss? <laughs> there are so many. We know he loves McFlurries. We know he loves, like I said, the surge last year after the parade. Reese's Pieces, like he likes this, what is it, the cookie place? What was that place? Insomnia. Insomnia Cookies in Philly. I don't, but I don't know what, what a Disney snack is. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm like not rich enough to go to Disney, so <laughs> I don't I know. Don't know. Like, uh, like a funnel cake, like, you know, people were saying that. We, we asked if it was going to be sweet or savory, and Blake came through with like definitely sweet tooth. So I think there's going to be like... Yeah, I definitely think he's going to bring on the ice cream and cookies because we have those two combinations. So anything that involves that. But is that for a loss or a win? I mean, like, you need to console yourself after a loss. So you need that. But you also want to celebrate after a win. So you need that. So I'm pretty sure it's for both. 
Yeah, the, the way I need sour cream and onion chips, like after and before an exam. Is- <laughs> <laughs> That's like the perfect place to end this. That's so good. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for joining us this week. Um, we've had I've had a really fun time talking to both Iman and Sarah. Uh, as always, very interesting conversations. Uh, let us know how you like um, our podcast this week, and please make sure to follow us at Dishes and Dimes Pod. Um, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Bye, week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.